Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. Hello. Hello. Um, so, today, I wanted to talk about the quarter-life crisis, but I wanted to start by asking... <laughs> the big two-five. What? Quarter life. Oh. Right, I don't know, right, assuming right. you live to 100, I guess. Maybe you're... That is the assumption. Maybe it's the big two-o. Yeah. Yeah, think, most people only make it to 80, maybe. Yeah. That's... Well, that's interesting, because midlife back in, like, the dark ages would have been... Midlife would have been 25, so quarter life would have been 12 and a half. I think humans have always lived pretty long if you made it through childhood. Like... Yeah, once you get past that hump. Yeah, yeah, when you just, like, animal fodder. Just, like, lions are out there just, like, ripping you to shreds and stuff. Like, kids would be super easy to catch compared to adults. Well, it's like that video your dad showed us of that eagle picking up a grown adult and trying to fly away with it. <laughs> yeah, that's like recent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. So children would have been taken very easily. Imagine just minding your own business in like Mongolia or something, just like, I don't know, shepherding some sheep and then all of a sudden a bird just like grabs you by the shoulders and tries to like take off with you for dinner. how terrifying you're too busy worried about like the huns coming to get you and a giant eagle just takes you away damn sounds scary so the big two five yeah well i wanted to talk about i actually wanted to start it by asking you what is a quarter life crisis like in your opinion what is a the definition of a quarter life crisis to you um like Quarter life, I'm not sure, like, it, I feel like any kind of crisis in life is probably going to have, like, a similar epicenter. Something huge has probably gone wrong. Maybe one of you have, like, done something poor in the relationship, whether it be cheating or something, and then you're, like, all of a sudden you just found yourself single, trying to, like, piece your life back together. I feel like most, like, uh, I guess, cliche crises uh started by like some kind of divorce i guess Mm. so like a quarter life crisis in some sense could be perceived as maybe a little more existential to yourself because you're also trying to work out what the hell am i doing with my career am i even doing the thing i want to be doing how do i work out what like how do i work out making my work life something meaningful to me Mm -hmm. and then also you're going through like the rithral of relationships and trying to establish healthy relationships and a lot of people struggle with maintaining long-term relationships throughout their 20s um and yeah so i guess like that quarter life crisis perhaps you just were in like a long-term relationship and it just like crumbled to pieces and you're still grappling with like just piecing normal life together Mm. yeah yeah. it's it's definitely got the ingredients for for a life crisis that's yeah you kind of touched on it a bit there what i what i think of is the actual term most people use which is a midlife crisis Mm. when you think of a midlife crisis it's 
usually in my mind it's always a man but it can be a woman too in their like 50s mm. who just all of a sudden wants to buy like a brand new car mm-hmm. and um it to me it's like this kind of that they feel like something's missing mm. and they're also feeling existential that's like the perfect word for it okay yeah 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 i think yeah okay i went too dark no, but that's that's perfectly possible. That would definitely create a crisis in someone's life. Yeah, but you're coming from like the I guess the, the like the weird small change. All of a sudden, like dad gets into this new fad, and you're like, oh, he's having a midlife crisis. Like he's trying this new hobby. All of a sudden, yeah, like it, it, for for like fifty years, he was the same person, and now all of a sudden, he wants to ride a motorbike and go join a art class or it's a, like it's a know. pretty mean way of like judging your dad but because essentially what happened was in reality he just raised you all the way to the point where you're in teenagehood and now he's like look you can babysit yourself at home now i'm gonna go enjoy my life again you know that mm. thing you interrupted mm. i'm gonna start doing that again and he's probably just getting back into the stuff he enjoyed in his 20s like he probably wanted the sports car now he can afford the sports car yeah. and he doesn't have to cart your butt around because you got your own <laughs> license and everyone's like hanging shit on him for like wanting these fun things when the reality is just like actually doing what makes him happy Mm, yeah i think to me it's always been the butt of jokes in movies yeah it is yeah yeah and i can i can totally get where you're coming from it's kind of it it is nice that they're like they're choosing to go out and do things like that if they are but i i think um some people are just doing it for the fun of it and then i think there are some people who feel like there's a hole in their life and that's where i think the crisis is like the even in the quarter so the quarter life crisis to me is like you're feeling like like stuck and overwhelmed and lost, mm. and there's like this this burning sense of existential dread behind you. Mm. And to me, from for a quarter life crisis, that kind of comes from realizing how the world works and like all not only all the good shit in life, but all like the possibly scary mechanics thing. of the world. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people kind of get. Um, I've definitely, I felt like glimpses of the existential dread. I wouldn't say I've had so much a quarter life crisis, but I think what you said earlier about people going through really intense, like, um, maybe, uh, yeah, they, they even at our age been married and then been gotten, had to get divorced. And yeah, on top of that kind of, maybe it's their third divorce. Maybe it's their third divorce. People live that, eh? Like. Oh, Do you reckon yeah, yeah. that's like a religious thing? Like people just keep getting married again because they're like, no, that's part of my religion. I have to get married. Otherwise I can't sleep with this person. It could be an underlying, yeah, it could be an underlying belief there. Which is like a terrible reason to get married in the first place. But I think I think most people like felt like that's what they had to do. Yeah, I suppose so. Maybe, I don't know. I could be completely off there. You could be wrong. Um, but one of the things I wrote down was... Um, <clears throat> trying to fill a void with money work items and drinking or drugs Mm. and uh, i think most people do that anyway yeah i think especially in australian culture i think uh if dad's winding up to like a negative midlife crisis and he's uh possibly a person who would dabble in like alcoholism Mm. i would assume he's probably dabbling in alcoholism the whole time anyway Mm. and it's just like slowly ramping up Mm-hmm. as he has less responsibilities 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you meaning to, for this to go so bleak? I'm sorry. No, I'm just like, <laughs> I can't help but feel the darkness pulling me in. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Uh, it is a, a scary prospect because I think a lot of it is caused by the fact that people have children and they don't know how to equally live their life and also live for their children because like it is like a massive sacrifice you're going to have to make and they require a lot of your time and responsibility but I think a lot of people go wrong and they just entirely let their life disappear and in yeah, some sense that's, that's more of like a midlife thing I don't like, yeah. I guess in our circle there's not like we don't have there's one person that has kids. Yeah, so far. So oh, yeah, far. I'm, I'm talking about midlife, midlife crisis rather than quarter life. But I wanted to talk about quarter life crisis because I feel like conversations I've had with people and stuff that I see online, there's a lot of people in their 20s that like are struggling. Mm. And it, it they're struggling in a way, like for example, like you want to buy a house, mm. but you're struggling to enjoy a job. And th- it feels like there's all these compounding factors that are really weighing down on you as a like 25 year old Mm. and yes it is that existential dread but there's also this sense of like a lack of purpose or like what am I doing like what am I doing none of this feels right yeah and that's kind of where I've I would say that's the closest I can relate to a quarter life crisis is like a lack of pleasure in what I'm doing Mm. and then going like why am I doing this like why am I trying to uphold for me, that was trying to the idea of trying to get a full time job and work in an office where we're both working in a, off like working full time. That idea of like why why would I do that? For me personally, I agree. Like if in in my eyes, like if if I can if I can work the full time gig and you don't have to, I'm more than happy to wear that sacrifice so you can live like a happier life Mm. especially if like the alternative is you work a job you don't like i would much rather just earn all the money Mm. and like because i do enjoy my job to a point where like i'm happy to maintain that kind of level of output Mm. um yeah I, i like it's it sucks that we feel as though everyone has to work the eight to nine hour day and mm. then you never have any of your day life like where do you get your life yeah in? and most people are just churning their lives away for just m- purchasing more materialistic items and people are just getting fatter and fatter and fatter and and, and they use the materialistic items and the the fat is also like kind of a metaphor for um to me it's like a protective barrier between your inner world and the outer world to me it's metaphoric for like there's there's stuff going on in here i feel scared of the world i feel hurt and there's this extra barrier on top which protects people can't like see through it kind of thing yeah it quite possibly could be like an emotional thing it could also just be like a direct inverse relationship between like how much time you have and how much you have to work yeah, and like oh, yeah. the more hours you work, the fatter you get because you got no time for yourself, and yeah. so it's just perpetuating. Like this, this, yes, what people eat is terrible these days. Like mm. everything's high sugar content. People are gonna get fat if they eat that all the time. Mm. But at the same time, if you coincide that with a mentality of everyone has to work every pretty much minute of the daylight away, mm. you're gonna end up with 
obesity everywhere anyway and like it, it's showing yeah. a third of us have diabetes now mm. a third yeah. of human beings in western civilizations have diabetes yeah that's crazy like <laughs> yeah it's funny growing up i only knew one person with diabetes yeah type 1 diabetes yeah and now there's which it should be, like, that's good, right? Like, because, like, kids, you don't see it as much in kids, even today. Like, kids, yeah. but kids, but their their systems are better at regulating it while they're young because they're growing. Yeah. But sooner, like, it's not, not to say that it's not rising in kids. It is. Yeah. But as adults, you see it a lot more. You and I are surrounded by a lot of Heavy. athletes. Yeah. So it's we don't see it very often. I guess. Um, or people maybe just don't or, know they or, have it. <laughs> yeah, some people might have it. I think, I think you'd know, maybe. Yeah. But uh, I thought while you were saying that, I think this is where the, the, the kind of like stuck feeling comes in with a with a bit of a quarter life crisis or like a that the dread is um, you are working this full-time job. You're in your head, you're working it so you can buy a house. Buying a house is not affordable anymore and it's really hard to do it on your own let mm-hmm. alone with a partner. And you're also at this point in your life where people are starting to get married and have kids. If you're single, that kind of hurts. If you are like, don't feel like you have all your ducks in a row, but you see people around you having kids, and also biologically your body is probably like, I want to start having kids. Mm. Then there's this, there's so much going on in your life and it, it it's almost like a hopeless feeling, like there's not much you can change. But the truth of the matter is, and we're kind of experiencing this right now is, how can what can you do to change your lifestyle mm-hmm. and yeah you have to step out of your comfort zone a bit in order to step out of that so for example we've been looking te- playing with the idea of moving further out yeah from the city yeah center city outskirts i suppose yeah because that means that we can afford first of all afford a house but secondly afford a house that is actually what we want yeah. instead of you know, settling for a house that is more expensive, that is smaller and, and yeah, just confined. Um, to me, I like that idea because I feel suffocated by the idea of buying a house here that's on a 300 square meter block, which I would have to get a full-time job elsewhere for in in the next few years in order to make that a reality. And then I'm, I'm paying or trudging my way through something that I potentially don't enjoy for something that I potentially didn't really want in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. We like, we don't, we know we don't want like a property that small, like we're both in agreement of that. And if you owning your own house is such like a big milestone in like civilized culture because it ensures that you're going to have wealth when you retire mm. that you want to you want to make sure that you eventually own that outright and so it's it's like it's almost like a must a must do if you want to ensure that your elderly age where you do want to like try and enjoy some of your life and not be worried about whether you can get food on your table mm. that's like a thing you you try and strive for and <clears throat> like to the moving thing, it's something that human beings have done since forever. Like, until, like, since societies exist, people do that. Mm. Like, unless you go back to the point where, like, the land was just, like, roamed by 
indigenous people, mm. like then the whole, the literal whole country was your oyster in, in, in some circumstance, right? And so you just had infinite space. But if you go back to our grandparents, they literally left countries because they wanted to live in a place where the lifestyle was going to be better for their family. Mm. Like that idea, almost all of us has come from that idea. Mm. But in a weird way, our, I, I, I just don't hear that conversation being had in our generation. And I think it's because we live in Australia and we are still very comfortable. Mm. The discomfort that our grandparents went through was far higher than the discomfort we experience, experience right now. Mm. However, the principle still makes a hell of a lot more, like a hell of a lot of sense. And if we were to adopt that principle and just move further out, and I just work at like a school somewhere else, mm. I would end up being able to acquire a style of living that would probably be in the million dollar range or higher where I'm currently living right now. Mm. And you wouldn't have to work. And you could look after my kids and raise my kids the way we, you like we would like to. Mm. And also maybe possibly even still do your beauty beauty stuff if, mm. if we're in like a a little town, right? If the town's like big enough to kind of compensate for that. And yeah, it just it just like to me the idea rings true and the reasoning behind the why why our our parents would have done it at some point, right? We none of us like most people don't live in the same suburb as like where they were grew up, grew up in and mm. there's a reason for that. Mm. Affordability. Yeah. And most of us will have parents that have bigger properties than what we're probably shopping around in the market for. And that's because they moved away from wherever they came from. Yeah. And like, yeah, it it also like kind of puts into question the whole country boundaries thing. And like, it makes you like think about refugees and things like that and mm. how those guys are just doing that exact thing mm. that we want to do internally in our country. And yeah. it's sad in the sense that we, we reject so much of that as mm. well. Um, but well, if everyone moved out, everyone who <clears throat> lives here moved out to the country to affordable houses with lots of land and the refugees could have all like the small houses and they'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it would definitely be a big step forward for like wherever they probably came from. Yeah. And yeah. then we'd all just, the, th generation after generation would just filter outwards and it would be like this recurring cycle. Maybe you never know. I, I, Australia is a very big country, so I think we could probably support a fair bit of growth for quite some time, and people still have like relatively large plots of land. I think sometimes um, where people don't want to do that comes from a. It's it's funny. It comes from a not wanting to be challenged, like wanting to be comfortable. Mm. But at the same time, if you're experiencing that feeling of like, what do I do now? I'm confused. I'm lost. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stuck. It's also because you're missing challenge. So there's a, there's like a part of you that wants a challenge and there's a part of you that it like doesn't want a challenge at all. Yes. And so it's like when you, when you're sitting on the fence, that's where you feel stuck. Mm. It's because you're, there's, there's two different actions or, and, and you're inactive. Isn't that what uh, Stephen Pressfield was talking about with Oprah? It was like resistance or something, the writer? Oh, yes. He says like every morning you wake up with a certain level of resistance as well. Yeah. And so it, he talks about resistance as like shame. It's completely unhelpful. 
So resistance is that thing we wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do that. And some mornings you can wake up and have like the tiniest bit of resistance and it's only like you're only resistant to doing certain things. And then other mornings you wake up and everything feels like a chore. And yeah. really it's about understanding, like noticing your resistance, noticing that you have that feeling and choosing not to succumb to your resistance today. And I think yeah. he says something about like... Habits. Like if you do something regularly, the resistance will become like far smaller yes and also like you, you've had a successful day if you didn't let resistance defeat you in some yeah, way yeah that's cool yeah and like i guess with this this idea we're pondering on like i definitely feel that resistance towards it but mm. i also like on the inverse relationship there's a part of me like that feels really excited when i ponder the idea mm-hmm and so that's kind of cool as well because, like, I, anytime you foster that kind of excitement, it probably means, like, you're doing something that's going to be meaningful eventually. Mm. Um, uh, what I'm noticing when you brought up the idea of, like, moving, right? I've done – I've moved before, moved states before. Yeah, you've done it. Heaps. I know what it's like. The feeling that came up for me was excitement and then later on – when I let my thoughts trail on, that's when fear started to come through. So it's it's interesting noticing like almost from like a I don't know if it's like a body level or a soul level, there's like a, this oh yes that's that's cool that's exciting that's it's different adventure adventure humans yeah. love adventure like that's what we've done throughout all of time we, yeah, yeah. we're like we're so curious and we want adventure and it would be an adventure. I and think sometimes we let our minds kind of stop us a little. Like our thoughts can prevent us from doing that stuff too yeah i guess so in some sense there's also like no reason why if you didn't like it you mm. can't just like sell up and come back yeah you know what i mean it, like nothing is permanent no so and you, you just you just i guess can't be afraid of making a mistake or like seeming like a failure of some sort um there's a quote and it has something it has something to do with joan of arc uh she says like uh it's something about like I having courage and being fearless, but the truth is actually that like you can't have courage without fear. Yeah, so true. So yeah, otherwise there's nothing to overcome. So courage doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then there's also a Brene Brown quote, which is um, quote lady today. Uh, you can have courage or you can have comfort. You can't choose both. Mm. And I think sometimes it's okay to choose comfort. Yes. But if you're living your whole life in comfort, that's when you feel like you're missing something. Yes. As well. Yeah. And we want to live in comfort when we're decrepit and require comfort and when getting out of a chair is uncomfortable and I'm slaying warriors when I'm getting out of chairs. <laughs> so I, I embrace the discomfort now. Yeah. What What does Joe Rogan say? He's like, he combats his inner bitch or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line as well. Yeah. No, but yeah, it, it's it's true. He's a great example of that as well. Like someone who's always lived on the outskirts of places, like, and always chose like this acreage style living. Obviously, he's got like a butt ton of money, mm. but he could have lived in the city closer to work like all his works based off cities he does travel a lot as well but you know when he when he's regularly doing his shows i'm sure he has to travel a fair while to get to him each time mm. 
but then you make like those kinds of things worth it, right? Because because you've moved to a place where it's so much more affordable for you. Now you can own the cool car you wanted. And so like in his case, like he just drives like super cool Porsches and stuff like that around. Not that we could do the, that kind of level of thing, but maybe I would have like a, a sports car that would be fun to like engage with on like a two and a half hour drive to go see the family. Mm. And that and that's literally the distance we're talking about. Like it's not that far away. Mm. Yet there's like, oh, we're gonna miss our friends and we're gonna miss our family, and that's the resistance for us. Like yeah. those two things. I'm trying to convince like people to do it with me. Yeah. I'm like, if I can just like take someone with me, that'd be so good. Like takes a couple of my buddies and be like, guys, life would be different. Let's do it. Like imagine, imagine like take a look at what your parents have. That could be us. And we love the way our parents are living. We love the community they've they've built. We can build the same thing. Mm, yeah. I, it is hard for people to not get caught up in. And if I wasn't with you and I wasn't living here as well, which we need to come back to that. It's another thought I've had is living at home. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't... I would have been distracted by the pretty the prettiness of owning a freshly built house even if it is on a small block mm. like because that, because that's also how I grew up on I would say I'd say like half my houses that I lived in had very small yards yeah I lived in I we rented for most of my life up until I was 14 yeah and I lived in I think 10 different houses maybe slightly less than that but um I guess as a kid you don't understand the value of having a backyard and as a kid you make it work like even the houses where I had a small yard me and my sister would still find ways to play like and makes and play soccer and stuff but living here seeing like how much you can do with the land like you know having a flying fox and, and i don't know just having so much land is is so amazing and having chickens and i was never an animal person i feel like it's opened up so much more like joy and pleasure in my life that it makes me go i don't i don't want to live it on a small block anymore and yeah and it definitely makes us ponder like as you think that thought out through to its furthest extension you're like is it just the fact that i like living off the land like it's like a calling to like nature and your own human instinct in some sense and so that's something we've constantly been thinking about as well it's like oh do we want to just like go kumbaya and start a regenerative <laughs> farm somewhere like is that what we want to do i think we're really connected with what is important in life yeah and i think that's where and i've i get distracted all the time from that and i i i could easily have been distracted from that in the sense that you know all the shiny objects and having lot and capitalism is a great example i i I can get so hooked in like i want this many clothes and i want to look like this and 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 own all these things but when you're like living here when you've been able to connect with nature more you see how much that brings you a sense of like it can bring you peace it can bring you pleasure yeah. it can bring you those things that are important connection like you feel more grounded but you also 
it gives you more opportunity to connect with the people around you, especially yeah. like communal living. Yeah. I, I'm way more social and enjoying the sociability mm-hmm. because we live with your family. Yeah. I think like what helps crush the material mindset a lot to living here is we don't tend to buy anything new that often. Yeah. Like the yeah embracing like the consumerism idea that most people do doesn't occur very much here we like almost all of our furniture is secondhand everything is just about secondhand other than the tv and our xbox but i think uh, and maybe a couple kitchen appliances but like some small ones but pretty yeah. much everything else we own we've saw secondhand or had it given to us hand-me-downs and just like yeah we haven't gone out just because we want like a particular aesthetic and just thrown money away for that that thing. I and I have I had the urge to do that. Oh, hundred percent. I get it. Like it looks nice. I I fought. I think I I let go of that probably only the last couple months because I realized that it didn't really matter. It doesn't bring you any more joy. You know what brings you joy? Just having clean stuff. Like just yeah. clean your stuff. That, yeah. Like if you just have <laughs> yeah. like. Put your stuff away. Have your books nicely on your shelf. Like, just nicely place things around the room. You don't need brand new stuff to make things look cool. Like, it's just about like upkeeping stuff that makes it nice. Do you know what I think? That I think it's caring for your space is the thing. Like you said, tidying. But I think when you buy something new, you feel like or um, have things that are matching or something, you're taking time to care for and clean your space yeah. and, and rearrange your space. But you can do those things without buying new things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, like not a lot of our stuff matches. No, um, not which... much of it at all. <laughs> like it kind of like almost accidentally sometimes does, but it really doesn't. But, it's so mixed matchy. And, and part of me loves things that are matching. And then another part of me thinks, like, this is kind of cool. It challenges me a little bit. Like, this this part of me that wants everything to be uniform and in line. This, like, it feels like a soldier mentality. Um, but another part of me just really enjoys, first of all, the challenge of, like, letting go of that materialistic, matchy kind of view and um, I guess it, it also reminds me that do I actually want to spend a couple thousand dollars on a matching set of lounge decor or what would I rather spend that a thousand dollars on? Yeah. For me, yeah, I would rather spend that on like a, a trip with our friends or... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, an experience. Like, so if you can kind of set up some kind of experience, um, but we would rather spend that money on building some kind of household future. Yeah, yeah. Than than spending it on some decor that's going to put us behind. And a thousand dollars in our pocket, compounded over time, it adds up. Like you know. I think people too also struggle with holding on to money. Yeah. Like. Especially in your 20s, like midlife, uh, what was it? Quarter life. Quarter life crisis. Like, yeah, that's definitely something that you learn in your 20s is how to hold on to your money. And a lot of people don't figure that out um, for some time. Even small amounts. Like, for example, when uh, you 
got some cash the other day and you you handed some to me and you're like here you go and I was like oh my god I was so excited and then not even two minutes later I was thinking about all the things that I could do with the money <laughs> and I was like but these are things sure that I want but if I honestly if I was to have them all at the same time mm. I wouldn't be using them all to their to their like I, I I wanted a book and I wanted a dress and I wanted or multiple dresses and I wanted uh, a yoni egg and <laughs> and I was just like but I if I was to buy all those things all at the same time I wouldn't use them all at the same time and then it would feel like wasted money and then I could possibly be thinking oh like what did I really need to buy those things and so like eventually I might I may buy those things if I truly truly want them it's kind of like that um that tattoo mentality I have where if you have a ta- an idea for a tattoo for more than 6 months there's a good chance you want it but if you if you have that idea and then 6 months later you're like oh I don't really want that tattoo anymore you're glad you didn't get that tattoo is why you should wait the 6 months yeah that's a, that's a pretty good mentality i'm completely clean skinned so i don't necessarily understand sticking poking my whole body but it's kind of like a a metaphor for making decisions that feel permanent Mm. like you know if you if you have this nothing's permanent ashley that's why i said seem quote ashley (laughs) (laughs) there's a drake there's a quote in a drake song it's funny and i can't remember it has something to do with like getting the word um impermanent tattooed on him or something it's just ironic yeah it is yeah very ironic yeah. That is pretty funny. But a tattoo's not even permanent because... No, it's like 10 years and then it looks like terrible. Excuse you. I was going to say you can get it laser removed. Oh, or yeah. your body ends up decomposing and the tattoo doesn't exist anymore. So really, yeah. what's permanent? Something else I wanted to touch on um, when it comes to like... Kind of a quarter life crisis, but kind of where we... Living in your 20s now, uh, living at home, mm. there's such a stigma in movies and even I think just with our own, our own subconscious. That... It's mostly movies. I think that stigma has kind of changed a fair bit. I don't see it as often anymore, but when we were teenagers, that stigma was super strong, super, super Yeah, strong. like being 30 and living at home with your parents oh, was like... That was like you were the the, the gum on the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. I had... I, it's shame in a sense, and it's a feeling of, like, um, failure, or that you're not, you're not, yeah, being able to hold a certain standard, and I think I had to struggle, I struggled with that a little bit, too. Well, it was a, it was a signal of you becoming an adult, was uh, having your own place. That yeah. was, it was almost like our ceremony of now you're a man or a woman, right? It's yeah. like being able to fend for yourself. A rite of passage. Exactly. Yeah. Which is great and all. And actually, I do think people should probably move out, at least for some period of time by themselves, particularly if your mum or dad is still cooking and cleaning for you. Yeah. And like they're looking after your space. You do need to grow up then. Yeah. Like 100% you need a wake up call because... If you find a partner and you think they're going to do that for you all the time and you're not going to pull your weight, you're going to have like uh, relationship troubles very quickly. Yeah. Um, so in, in that sense, it does like teach you the repetitions of being an adult and 
hopefully you had good examples of parents who kept like a relatively like tidy household which usually represents like some kind of like stability as well and you you copy that um and yeah it's it's good for that sense but I don't think the stigma's there anymore because of the affordability of actually moving out. I don't know whether it's different maybe in other countries though, but in Australia, the affordability of living out of home, like rent rent right now in Australia costs more than a mortgage. <laughs> and it's predominantly, or at least in Queensland, it's predominantly because people are, are trying to make a lot of bucks off like a massive boom mm. in the property market and co- which was caused by COVID. And what happened was, is all the properties went up. People who owned properties or investment properties sold because of this 20% rise in property value, which meant that investors who then bought properties, if they want to rent those properties in order for them to make any kind of income off it, you have to then skyrocket your rent from what it was two years ago. So people who are living in a rental property in the same property prior to COVID and after COVID, if they had like a sale in between there, you've seen like a $100 increase on your rent a week, which can make and break people. And that's why we came back home. Ours went up by well first of all we moved two different places it it jumped twice throughout covid for us it went up almost 70 bucks a week at where we at bray park it, yeah. yeah it was it was three we were paying 325 a week yeah and between the two of us and then it went to 400 jumped to 400 yeah and so then, then we moved 30 minutes north yeah to pay 330 yeah which was like that was a hard find at yeah, that point. It was a steal of a deal for the current market, for sure. Which was a unit. They're both um, like duplexes. <laughs> we knew it was a steal of a deal too. Like I was saying to the guy, I was like, look, I'm happy to sign a multi, multi-year contract. Like we're keen to stay. Yeah. I'll even pay up front for a certain amount of time. Like it was, yeah, it was a good deal. And I kind of recognized it as if we can lock in this good deal for a bit, it's going to give us some leverage and saving for our home because mm-hmm. we don't want to pay more than that. Otherwise, it's just like we're not saving enough to beat inflation, which mm-hmm. was happening very fast. And we're probably only now just getting ahead of inflation because the housing market's toned down a bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then we had we were there for a year mm-hmm. living there, which was great. Mm-hmm. And we had your sister live with us for a bit as well. Yeah, that helped. Like six months, which was nice, which brought our expenses down and then we could save more. Yeah. Um, but then she moved out and then we got a new contract and the contract again jumped by like 70 I think and, it was, it was yeah, like $70. Yeah, $70 or something. Again, I think it ended up being like $400. Oh, yeah, it was just under $400. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 390 maybe. And we we're like, we're literally living a minute and a half to three minutes away from our parents who could charge us, like they're charging us 250 to live at home. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, our parents had done like enough renovating of the downstairs component of the home that we are now living in a space that is effectively our oh, own secluded one-bedroom apartment. Mm. And so we have a lounge room, we have a kitchen. a kitchen, we have like kind of like a, a dining room. Um, we have 
my gym that's next to the lounge room. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have like a bathroom that's being currently renovated. Yeah. The toilet's running right now. We've got a bath in there, but we're waiting for the walls and tiles to go up. Yeah. Um, that might be like we still might be waiting a whole holidays before or term then holidays before that's done. But yeah. But I mean by no means do we not shower. I mean we have oh, yeah, we that, have there's two other showers in the house. So yeah. like when we're not missing out by living here. In no. fact, I was saying to someone yesterday that the space that we live in now feels like it's just as big as some of those duplexes that we lived in. Oh, particularly when we we're share housing. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, we've probably got more space if you consider it. It's just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got infinitely more space if you consider how ba- big the backyard is. Yeah, yeah. And our, our lifestyle mm. is so much better because we have so much like free space like it's so nice going outside where our, our house backs onto a a river or mm. a creek but it's probably the width of a river mm. it's quite large and so you've got this like nice scenic view of our, like our backyard who roll, has like a little bit of rolling hills mm. and we got yeah as we mentioned earlier animals and stuff running around and it's just like it's so lush and peaceful yeah and so it's good to just check out and relax back down there as well yeah i agree I think what you were saying before, the stigma is definitely going away because people realise it's not a realistic expectation to uphold that you don't move back in with your parents. Well, parents are realising they're like, if I don't do this for my kids, my kids aren't going to get a house. Like, it's just, it won't happen. Or they they uh, they won't get a house close enough for me to see my kids mm. is kind of what is, because you can buy a house if you want to move further away. It's, it's That's what we've established. It's doable. Um, but you've got to move a little while. Yeah. It's also nice in the sense that it we're also kind of helping our family too. Like, you know, by contributing, even though it is a like significantly smaller amount of rent than um, we would be paying elsewhere. It's a second income for them in it, some sense. It is, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Like a, some, it's like my mum working another casual job. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. But I think... Um, whilst the stigma might be going away, I think there's still remnants of shame within our generation for living at home because of possibly movies we've had growing up or even the way that we may, like our families may have talked about uncles and aunties that needed to live at home or live with siblings and things like that. Yeah. Um, so you still kind of battle that a bit, uh, which I definitely did. But now I, like, I just see, I have so much gratitude, which is... It, if you have gratitude and the ability to, um, I don't know, see the pleasure in, in how you live and where you are, I think that combats shame mm. tenfold. But it, it again, that you have that's resist the resistance comes up in that situation. You have to be able to um, overcome that resistance and really work at understanding how lucky you are, no matter where you are. Usually, anytime someone points out the fact that you haven't moved out of home like the, I, it hasn't happened to me like no one's ever said that to my face but I've seen people do it to other people but a lot of the time it's coming from a place of jealousy where they're actually like in some sense they're pointing it out because you've just pointed out this sense of freedom that you have you mm-hmm. and like perhaps maybe you're getting to travel a lot more and things like that and they'll be like oh yeah I'd be doing that too if I was living at home 
Mm. You know what I mean? And they like they use it as like leverage against you, and it's like, yeah. oh, you're jealous. Yeah, that's what it is. Like you, yeah. you're jealous. You can't afford to do these things because you chose a particular lifestyle that I didn't. Yeah, and well, if you're pulling your weight at home, doesn't matter at all. Yeah, like there's no, to me, there's no stigma to it at all. Yeah, I, there was another way I was going to go with that, but I can't remember where I was headed. Hmm. Hmm. Lost it. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so now let's move on to date night questions. <laughs> okay. Um, I wrote down a, a, just a couple of questions because I, I did go through and like look at the questions on where, where we've been sourcing questions from and I was like, these aren't it. So I've got a better question for you. I came up with some on my own. Cool. Um, we'll go, we'll go the, like a, a lighthearted one first. If you had to reincarnate as someone in history or in a time period in history, who or when would it be? Oh, that's a really good question. I would, I feel like I'd want to be like some kind of Zen master. If I could come back as like the Buddha or something, that'd be <gasps> like sick. the original Buddha, the OG. Damn. That you know, like with someone, like someone super wise, I just getting to see the world through the way they view the world. Obviously it requires you to do a whole heap of work. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would, I would, love to live that life and just zen out like that would be so cool yeah i don't know that that that, that, like there's that i had the the other thought was i was like do i want to be a conqueror and i was like not really you know what i mean (laughs) like that was the other thing but like it would be cool to be maybe like some kind of greek Mm. superhero (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like troy the legend of troy what was his name like um I can't even remember what their main uh, character's name. Nope. That, um, Paris. Paris? That's his name, wasn't it? Is it Paris? Yeah. What? Paris of Troy. Was it? I swear his name was Paris. Nah. Yeah, Brad Pitt's character. Yeah, Brad Pitt's character. I swear. Really? I swear. I don't, I don't know. That scene where he runs up at the start of the movie and just like does a Superman jump and just like knifes with his sword that this massive mountain of a man and there's like two armies are about to face off and they're like choose your best warrior and they bring out brad pitt and then the other guys bring out this like seven foot giant Mm. who's just like looks like he could be the world's biggest strong man Mm -hmm. and troy just like owns him instantaneously and both armies have to just go home after assembling thousands of people yeah you know what's hilarious about the two people that you've kind of chosen is they're like polar opposites you well, got one that's uh, like a zen buddhist monk and the other person's like i'm gonna kill people well there's like also like they're like being someone who's so like they're both masters at something you know what i mean i'd want to be a master at something and if you're like a master of war there's also like a sense of peace in that as well because like people who are like capable of extreme violence but choose not to be violent mm. have like this crazy amount of will and almost wisdom to them as well because you could effectively just conquer the world if you wanted to but choosing not to is a far more admirable thing 
Mm, yeah, I'm with you. So, like, they're kind of the same in some sense. I think I would choose someone like Seneca. Who's Seneca? He's um, or uh, he's a philosopher from like ancient Greek times, and pretty much that was his whole job was like being a philosopher, and but mm. also teaching aristocratic children. And so the re- that's a crazy word, aristocratic. Yeah, so I couldn't even spell that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could actually if you sounded it out. I think if you spent time with look, me, I'm gonna give it a crack. Okay, go. Uh, and I'm just gonna give you because I think I'm already wrong. Does it start with an e? No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> aristocratic. Ar- aristocratic. Ar- so it starts with an a. Uh, yeah, aristocratic. Uh, see, I see. I even heard it wrong. But never I, seen that word before in my life. I think he it would be so interesting because he has so many thoughts, mm. um, so many thoughts, so many new thoughts that really weren't in the world. But also, like you, you get to be a part of like the richest society without being. Is this a guy or a girl? This is a guy. He chose a guy. Without reincarnated as a guy, nice. Yeah, without being sucked into like the politics and the greed. Yeah, he was able to live in that world without poverty, but mm. still like explore. And he got to see so many different. Apparently, got to see and hear so many different things about. You know, he's he's kind of on the outside, the wallflower, watching from the outside in. Um, someone like him would be really cool. A part of me hopes that reincarnation works in a sense that is not time-based and so you can reincarnate back into the past oh i fully believe that it's not time-based yeah. how good would that be that would be so sick like it makes me so excited to die <laughs> no <laughs> nah, not know. literally but well, i mean if it helps you make peace with dying then why yeah, not why not why not yeah. <laughs> uh, now i have now i have two more questions um we only have 10 minutes so let's uh try and keep it down shall we but it's a two-parter. Okay. How do you think others perceive you? Yeah. And how do you want others to perceive you? Um, I think others perceive me as a bit of an alpha male. Uh, and it sounds cocky when I like say that. Like a leader, that. you mean? Yeah, yeah, leader for sure. I think sometimes I intimidate people, particularly women sometimes. I, like it, I think maybe in a work circumstance, I don't... I don't realize that I, I might be, um, like when I'm delegating tasks, perhaps. I don't know. I had, I had someone say this to me once and like, it was actually my HUD and I just, I, I, I'd never seen that perspective. No one had ever told me that before. And I was like, I guess I am like a kind of intense person. Assertive. Yeah. And like, people who might be like slightly more submissive probably just wouldn't say anything back to me even if they felt like maybe what I was asking of them was too much or like I think people would just be like yeah I like I'm sure thing no problem I'll Mm. do it and so I think that's also interesting as well um so yeah I definitely like the leader the leader cap which I put on myself anyway Mm -hmm. but I enjoy it and then um maybe like sometimes intimidating me not in a sense that I like make people scared because I'm like have a violent feeling around me or like a an abusive feeling it's just that I know what needs to be done and you're not afraid and to I'm not afraid to say it yeah um and yeah and so, so and so the second part of the question is how do you want others to perceive you 
Um, well, I guess like the, the one other thing I would have added to that is also I like to be perceived as silly and almost childlike as well in like my nature. Like I'm happy to have a joke and I'm happy to have a laugh about all kinds of things and I'm still very playful. Mm. And so it's a weird combination of all three, but I think it, it humanizes me. Um, and I want people to see me as loyal, kind and funny mm. is how I'd want people to see me. Yeah. Yeah. I see that in you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But I, yeah, I guess it's funny when you uh, proposed that question because people that don't know you, like that's how you want people who don't know you or aren't that close with you to see you as well. Mm. You want them to understand all aspects of you. Yes. Which is interesting. Yeah. I had someone ask me that question while I was at work once. I was like, this is the best day. It would be a great interview question. It is. It's, yeah. it's a fantastic question. Yeah. Well, what, do you, what would you say to it? Um, how do I think others perceive me? I think other people perceive me as uh, probably gentle. I've mm. had people tell me they, they... I've had I had like three people in one week tell me I was calm, like a calming presence. Mm-hmm. But that's not how I perceived myself, mm-hmm. which was very interesting. I perceive myself as someone who's like a bit like definitely in your workspace. You're erratic. very calming, but like you almost you're very very good at putting on that persona, stepping into that. Role. Yeah, like you 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 embody that very well. It seems authentic. Yeah, and I know it's not in necessarily naturally you as a whole, but you have that capability. It's the same way, like, if someone puts me in a situation where I need to take control, yeah. I can switch that on and be like, yeah, I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you have that, I can be the calm person very quickly. Mm. I actually, I think I may have said kind, but I, I'm not sure. Maybe some people might think that. I also think people might perceive me as um, judgmental is not the right word, neither is cynical. Just, like, kind of in some situations, I suppose... Like blunt, blunt is the word. Yes. Depending on what situation I'm in, probably not at work, but in my personal life, I think people think I'm a bit blunt. Yeah. Um, you can be. I yeah. I don't know if people. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And how I I guess I would want other people to perceive me. Is. Like neutral. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, just like no, no which way or the other. Just rolling yeah. down the hill. Which I, <laughs> which I guess is like how I am too. Like I'm not too attached to any one perspective. Like I guess I, I don't want other people to perceive me as someone that is judgmental. Yeah. Um, and I, I want others to perceive me as someone who's willing to like be around lots of other kinds of different people, I suppose. Um, but also, in a, in a sense, kind. I want people to be at, see, look at me and, and say, like, well, she might have opinions and stuff, but she is a, a kind person all in all. Mm. Um, she's someone that I can trust, that mm. I feel safe around. Yeah. There's definitely something to being, like, neutral and, like, a centrist and attempting to be a centrist in a lot of ideas because... When you do that, it also removes people's judgments of you and that allows them to open up more. 
And so people will be a lot more freer about themselves around you if you haven't placed any expectations of yourself out there that mm. they can then judge, right? What? So if like someone thinks you're a certain way, then they'll only show you a certain thing, a part of themselves. Yeah. Whereas if someone someone has n- your blank slate and someone has no idea what your views are and you're not very like obvious about them, mm. you'll be surprised what they'll uncover about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I I love when people feel like they can be completely themselves and open. Mm. I think that's something I, I mean, different question here, but I re- I really value authenticity in people and their willingness to like, even if I may not agree with them, um, I see the bravery in being authentic in a world that is so judgmental. And An easy I'm way of doing that is just listening and you do listen a lot. Like if you just listen more than you talk. Yeah. Oh, that's, it's revealing. That's, that's being neutral. That's true. I think it like, yeah. Mm. Did you want to squeeze one more question in? We're cutting it close. Okay. Uh, I have one more question, but it's a bit of like a silly one. Okay. That'll be a good note to finish on. Kind of silly as well. Have you ever talked about me behind my back? If yes, what was it? Oh God. I don't think I've, like, I can't think of a specific... I got, like, like a feeling when you said that. I was like, I may have done it once. Right. But I can't remember what the context was. But what no, it's like not something I would, like... Something would have to have gone very wrong for me to have to seek refuge in someone else <laughs> about, like, you. I'm not sure if we've said this before, but I think a a key part of having, like, a strong relationship is not talking about your partner behind their back and not complaining about them to other people. Yeah, you it's... always want to talk about them in a in a, a good light. Or if you do need help, asking for advice and being able to say in a neutral way, this is what happened, this upset me, like how can I, what can I do about this as mm. opposed to just wanting to bag on someone. Yeah, <laughs> and like if you don't come out of, at it like that with that angle... It will just be end up like now you're just shit. Both two people are just shitting on the other person, mm-hmm. which is definitely not helping anything. You're just actually building resentment, and you got to be very careful not to foster the seeds of resentment mm-hmm. in your relationship. Like that's the demise of all relationships. Is just mm-hmm. like making sure you're not continually doing things or finding ways in which you're aggravating your idea of the other person or the other person. Yeah. Because if you're aggravating the other person, they're building resentment towards you. Mm-hmm. And then if you're like thinking poor thoughts about them, you're building resentment towards them. And then you, you'll inevitably end up apart. You're just forming a wedge. Resentment's just like a metaphorical wedge. Yeah. Or, you know, putting on a pair of glasses that show a completely different person. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Hate eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Got your hate, hate eyes, eyes on. on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and for me, I feel like it's only fair if I answer that question. Um, but I feel like I would have talked about you behind your back when we first started dating. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> How dare you? Um, but now I feel like you're the closest person to me. And so if I have something that annoys me about you or I need help with, even if it's about you, I would just say it to you mm. at the risk of upsetting you. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, no, that's good. You, I'm more than happy for you to upset me. It's healthy. 
I did realize the other day how much I like say to you and how most people would either like keep it to themselves or I don't know if it was me I, I could write it in in my journal or like think on it and, but I'd just rather like blurt it out which I was like oh, I could probably speak less <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's just hanging out with me too much I blurt too much out as well that's true it's a happy medium you've got me into writing and reflecting and books and oh man it's so helpful we've taken maybe a piece I was from each Seneca other. in a past life maybe you were maybe I was the Buddha that's why I like you so much why I love the Buddha. Oh, I thought you, the the eyes you gave me then did not like translate. It's yeah, like, I was. I was so, like <laughs> <laughs> so confused. <laughs> Alrighty, All right. we'll leave up there. That was really fun. See you next time. Bye. And she is the kettle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to leave our podcast a rating, subscribe, and hit the bell button to be notified when new episodes come out. And if you'd like to support us, we've got a GoFundMe to help us with production costs and professional equipment so we can continue to show up and keep the good times coming. The link to that is in the show notes. We appreciate your support and catch you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's my new outro. <laughs> <laughs>